Welcome to Megaminds, the podcast that unlocks the secrets needed to scale your business from seven figures per year to seven figures per month and beyond. On the show, we pick the brains of leading business owners, marketing geniuses, growth experts, and serial entrepreneurs, tapping into their minds to uncover the true formula for e-commerce success. Now enjoy the episode and don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Megaminds. Hope you're all doing well. Today, I am joined once again by Ben Gogos. Ben spoke recently on the podcast about supercharging word of mouth, how to maximize the concept of earned media, and the importance of branding. Ben is a former data scientist. He's a content manager, an elite long-distance runner, and is currently the growth marketer at HeyBud Skincare, Australia's number one hemp skincare brand. So if you haven't already listened to our first episode with Ben, make sure to go back and check it out. Ben, welcome. Thanks, Evan. Great to be back. Uh, it's a very kind introduction. I think former long-distance runner might be more applicable, but um, yeah, excited to be here. Good to have you. I, you would still smoke me on any race, that's for sure. <laughs> so today, Ben, I want to talk to you about the idea of the customer experience, something that you consider very in-depth with your day-to-day role, looking at how to get the most out of your customers and build a relationship with them for the long term. So overall, from a holistic point of view, how do you see the customer experience as part of the entire journey and how much effort do you put into thinking about it? Mm. Yeah, great question, Evan. And it comes down to so many different aspects um, in your business. I think revenue is where I would start. Uh, if there's a, a small business right now, you need to consider customer experience at any point within the business, but maybe prioritize driving that revenue higher as much as possible. Um, and that, that really lends itself to more of a direct response um, approach. But I think once, once you reach a revenue level, potentially around the, the million dollar mark um, in annual revenue, you've really got to start to, under, to figure out and understand how you can create customers that absolutely love your brand. The reason for that is um, outside of these woo-woo uh, brand is really important. The really important reason for this aspect is that negative um, comments about your brand, they travel so much further than positive do. If, if you think about your personal um, being Evan, for example, if you have a bad interaction with a company or with a product, you're probably much more likely to tell me about it. Um, if you have a really, really good interaction with it, there's a fair chance you might not talk to me about it. Um, if everyone's commenting about it, it might pop up that you've had a great experience with brand Z. But if brand Y has given you a negative experience, you'll probably be telling everyone. And there's been a, a bit of research done into this and the, the finding is that for every uh, negative experience, it's likely to, to enter five people's, the, the vicinity of five people. So your five closest people, you're likely to tell them. Um, so that, that essentially means that for every uh, negative review you receive, those people are telling five people and then you're hoping that those people don't tell a further, a further group of people. And of course, those, those five people that hear are never going to purchase from you again. So you've just shortened your, your capacity to reach more customers that potentially are in your avatar. Um, so in very short words, customer experience is very important and there's a, a few different approaches to uh, improving it that we'll talk about today. 
We spoke about supercharging word of mouth in our last chat. And what you've just described is essentially the inverse of what we wanted during that last discussion. We want to create something that amazes, something that naturally you would want to tell all your friends about. But you've just described the inverse is true. If something is negative, if something comes damaged, if it doesn't serve the purpose that it says it will on the box, then that supercharging has a negative gearing. So it's something to absolutely consider. And that, that stat that you mentioned, I'll reiterate that five people in your circle will find out almost straight away. A hundred percent. And, and I want to go a step further here as well. If, if we want to, we want to go a step back and we want to think high level about how important this, this potentially is. So when you first start your business, um, and you go and you put on your first ad on Facebook and you are a men's skincare company, for example, um, the first group of people you were target, they will, they will all be highly dialed in. Uh, their potential customers will be the high, the most likely customers to buy from your brand. Those, those are customers that you know might be looking at men's skincare blogs. They might Facebook might have previous uh, you know purchase history data on them, and they Facebook really really understands that customer. So you're more likely to have a higher ROAS um, if your marketing is good and if you've got a little bit of social proof fairly early on in the piece. But as time goes on and on and on, you get deeper and deeper and deeper into Facebook's um, retargeting groups. And those groups become less and less focused on, for this example, men's skincare. So by the, by the end of those pools, if you can consider them pools, you might, be, uh, you might be targeting a man that once read a book about, that once looked at a link about, um, you know, some type of hair uh, cream or something i don't know i'm just i'm just spitballing here but um though that idea that therefore will lower the ROAS. so that that's one aspect where what that means is you're going to have decaying margins the longer that you keep doing the same thing um the other aspect is uh as your business begins to grow you've got more fixed costs um and when you when you first start you probably started at your desk with with your best friend or a couple of your friends and the the fixed costs are ridiculously low they're basically they're basically a non-existent um but then as things progress you begin to obviously have higher and higher fixed cost that eats into your margins as well um what we are trying to avoid here is is having a business which is a which basically is unprofitable um and so one one of the approaches to that is to really have word of mouth grow for you now i I know we spoke about this previously but this is just such an extraordinarily important point um and we focus more from like how can we approach it uh you know in in the previous podcast now we're going to talk about the statistics um we're going to talk about the different realities that we we need to be aware of and then we need to talk about our approach to actually fulfilling those those goals and really if we can drive that customer experience from a from you know we're going to talk about mps scores in a second if we can drive them from a a 40 mps score to a 70 mps score that might be the difference between your business being profitable or your business being frankly unprofitable so it's it's as important as that okay awesome so before we jump into those metrics that you mentioned if we take a step back how does the customer experience in the simplest of terms fit into your brand you mentioned decaying margins as you scale on facebook is this is this a strategy that can overcome those hurdles that you face how do you look at it in terms of 
improving the relationships with your customers? How do you execute on this customer experience while you're doing all of these other things in the background, like marketing your product, marketing your business and getting the word out? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think, I think the way I would go about it is connecting different uh, team members. So um, for instance, once you're starting to generate uh, customer experience metrics and, and what that, what that mean, means in its simplest form is feedback from your customer. Yeah, so, so, so what is the customer experience? Is it how your customer feels about your brand and your product? Is that, Absolutely. Is that either how you see Absolutely. it? Absolutely, yeah. And then, and then it's about connecting the dots. So if, if, for example, we're having a product issue, then that information needs to be fed directly to the, pro- the person who's um, leading the product charge. And then if you're, if it's a shipping issue, that's an operations person. And if it's, if it's X, Y, Z, you've got to direct it to the right person. And then it's got to be something that's like brought up again and again and again. Um, and that, that's where you're essentially enabling the customer to sit at the table. When you have your big board meetings, that customer feedback is the ability to have your customer there with you. Mm. Okay. So how do you get that feedback knowing that you're not a customer you're the one running it behind the scenes absolutely so there's a there's a few different um strategies to take but i i think something that's almost essential for pretty much every business in in 2022 is mps scores um and now what what is an mps score it's it's a net promoter score um the question is the question of a net promoter score is how likely are you to recommend this product to a friend um, and what and how that is delivered is essentially a, an email that will be sent out um, a certain number of days after you've sent the product or after that customer has purchased from you. They'll be sent an email with that one specific question. Now they answer between zero to ten, um, and ten and nine they are promoter scores. Seven and eight are passives, and zero to six are detractors. Um, Within, within that uh, NPS score, you start to get customer feedback. So if it was a detractor, they might say, oh, um, you know, the shipping time was really slow or this, your advertising suggests that I was going to achieve this result and I actually only achieved this result. Um, so I feel underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you might have, you know, your, your uh, passives, they might say some positive things and some negative things. And, and then obviously your promoters, they, promoters are um, probably something that's not really thought about a whole heap. Promoters, uh, that information can feed your future ads um, because then there might be promoters within that, um, within the NPS score that might be outside of your existing customer avatars. So you might, you might for example, um, men's skincare company, you might have a 60-year-old man that apparently he wants to look the best for his wife and he's never used skincare in the past. So there needs to probably be more education around that. Um, and so he, he might say, hey, I've, I've never used skincare in the past and like, I like the products, but I actually didn't know, should I put on a cleanser before I put on my, my moisturizer? And so therefore you can have, you could literally just have videos explaining like how to use a product with like an older demographic in mind. Um, that could be a way that you use the promoter scores for ads. Um, but for the, for the detractors and for the passives, you're, start, you're starting to get feedback as to what you can be improving in your business. Um, and that's, that's extraordinarily important. And that feeds back into this NPS score, which is uh, promoters, the per- percentage of promoters minus the per- uh, percentage of detractors. Um, 
so that you know and for for a lot of businesses um their promoter their nps scores are very low so the the major businesses in the world if you're getting a i think we were looking at uh you know brands getting within zero to 20 is quite common um, but then you've got you've got some major brands costco is one of the best in the world they've got a an nps score of around 79 um, which is incredible when you're a brand at scale i think it's more plausible to understand why you would have a lower nps score because it's it's harder to personalize that experience but when you when you are a small brand um, and for basically 95% of D to C brands they are within this remit um, you really need to be aiming high because you can personalize that experience and because you can even turn around potentially negative experiences with detractors in a positive experiences whether that be you know gifting gifting them some sort of uh, free product or maybe even having a conversation with them and just understanding potentially uh, you know they've used your product and they haven't received the benefit that they want um, maybe that's because they misuse the product and so if you if you actually sat down with that that customer um, and you said look this has really upset me and I, I think our product is fantastic um, do you mind if we have a, a little chat? I'm the, the founder of the business. I'm the co-founder. And then you explain exactly how to use it because maybe there was a piece of the education that was missing there. Then that detractor will be turned around into a, a big um, promoter of your business. And that's also, a, even if they aren't necessarily converted, it's still something that positively spreads the word. Even if that customer doesn't necessarily like your product as such, because they can be like, hey, I met the founder of this business today and look, I wasn't that big a fan, but he was, he was a very reasonable person or she was a very reasonable person. And um, that, that spreads like wildfire because that's very exciting. It's why, you know, in a, in a holistic sense, it's why TikTok, um, TikTok videos go so well where it's just uh, uh, a new founder showing out all their inventory. Like <laughs> people are just interested in new, in new startups. Mm. Behind the scenes content is working very well at the moment, but that's a total tangent we won't go down. Cool. So yes, I, so I have a few follow-up questions regarding your NPS score. First of all, you mentioned turning promoters and their responses into ads. How exactly would you go about doing that? Absolutely. So I'd, I'd always be thinking about customer avatar um, with, my, with my promoters and with my ads in general. So we're thinking about how many different types of unique selling propositions can we sell to different customers when we're, when we're thinking about ads in general. Um, we're always tef- testing different headlines. We're always testing new hooks, uh, for example. The, this um, information or the NPS survey, the feedback we receive, we start to get more understanding of exactly who our customer is. Um, so I, I think that example I cited before of like the older gentleman, you might be targeting sort of 30 to 35-year-old men to use skincare, but there might be the 60-year-old who wants to look great and he's just never, he's never, you know, used it before, you might be able to be like, hey, okay, I'm going to start targeting to, to this older demographic, which means probably like older UGC creators. Um, and it probably, it probably means like being really specific to, okay, um, how, how are we going to make the landing page like a very basic for them? How, how are we, we're going to have the text much larger for an older demographic? Like just little details like that, that um, obviously we're going down a little bit of a tangent here, but you can explore new customer avatars by really deep diving into all of the promoters that you might not necessarily have considered before. And on top of that, word for word, their responses, their reviews you can use in your copy, in your reviews as well if you promote them during your ads 
and really bring the language that your customer is using into your collateral. So that's another way to look at it. Okay, so Ben, we spoke about turning twos into tens, ones into nines by turning their dissatisfaction into a chance to make them feel heard and make them feel helped by addressing their concerns. So we know how to turn a detractor into a promoter. What about the guys who are on the fence, the ones in the passive pile in the middle, the people who've rated your product a six, a seven, a five, a four, who might come back and purchase once or twice if you run a sale, but they're not the diehard customers. How do you turn those people into the diehard fans? How do you turn a six into a 10? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, the, the strategy I would lend is really listening deeply to the customer. It's, it's quite obvious, but uh, I'll, I'll point to the, the example of a, a customer who might say, hey, this product's worked really, really well for my, my problem, but I have uh, limited finances and I can't necessarily um, buy this product again. Um, but I'd just like to thank you and that you might get an eight, which would be a passive score. There is a, the possibility of there, depending on how you can't do this all the time, but sometimes you can give away a free product because that if that person shares shares the fact that you've done that, that has the, the potential to reach a very cheap CPM. Like this is purely from a business strategy. And of course, it's just a really good po- uh, touch point for that person as well, which increases the word of mouth. Of course, every time... Um, you receive a freebie, whether it be at work, uh, you know, uh, your company will give you a free water bottle or something. It, it makes you feel more part of it. But then going that step further, if a brand gives you something for free, like I, I you know, can imagine if I got a free pair of Nikes, I, I wouldn't stop talking about it for the week, right? Um, it's, it's sort of something that just, it makes things a little bit more enthusiastic. I've seen, I've seen brands that... Um, you know, I've seen pet brands. This is, this is a good example. I've seen a pet brand where uh, the customers reached out and they've said, hey, unfortunately, my pet's passed away um, and I'd just like to uh, send back this product if I can get a refund or if I, you know, it does, it's not going to serve a purpose. And um, cut, the brand comes back to the customer. They send them flowers. Um, they say They write a little letter that says, Thank you so much for supporting us. We're so sorry to hear about your your dog passing away. Please donate to the nearest shelter. Um, you know, have the like the flowers are on us and like everything that you can possibly ask for in that situation. It's and really that that sort of context for me is like what would a really good friend do? Like if if uh you know if something bad happened to one of your best friends, you'd obviously like try and do everything in in your power, whether that be financial or or, or from a time commitment, um to make them feel better. And I think that's we just like as brands have to view our customers, even though sometimes all of these solutions aren't scalable. Sometimes we're dealing in the the unscalable, but even though it's unscalable, that idea that idea of the that idea of the free um you know, giving away the roses or the, the flowers or whatever, that's something that becomes so viral for brands potentially. And at worst case, it's just an amazing moment for the customer too. And just quickly to kind of wrap up this discussion about the uh, NPS scores, does it matter that it's a small sample size? Because you're not going to survey your entire customer base. You're probably going to survey 100, 200, 300 people. Does it matter? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I mean, I found that uh, customers will typically reply between 5 to 15%. So if you are sending out to a 
to all of your customers in your small your small business you might be getting enough feedback um i think i think it's almost better to just be dealing with whatever scale your brand is. Yes, you might have a weird NPS score because you've only received 50 um, pieces of feedback, but you can still act on it. So don't get freaked out by the small sample size. And I feel like the, you know, not in, to get into the nitty gritty, but I feel like the numbers sort of even out around that 500 mark. Um, but even before that point, you can still deal with it and maybe you just don't get too absorbed in the, the fact that your score is dropping 10 or it's going up 10 within the matter of days. That's a great thing to keep in mind. So Ben, we've chatted about why it's important to have a good customer experience and how you can go about assessing and quantifying that customer experience. But can you give us any tips on how you might improve it if you're not at a very good level or not the level you want to be? And maybe on the flip side, are there any red flags that you've seen during your time in the e-commerce industry that m the majority of businesses could implement as something to avoid? Absolutely, yeah. I think I think one of the, the most important things uh, when we're thinking about customer experience in general is like the real basics are the, the ones that the brand can, can control. Um, things like shipping times, you know, I know it's been said and again and again and again, but one of the reasons why Amazon's so big is because they offer same-day delivery, next-day delivery. It's incredible. I'll throw on shipping prices as well to that, which can definitely affect your your conversion rate falling under the shipping bundle. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And then um, things even like how are we dealing with uh, refunds? Obviously, um, every brand is going to go through the process where they have to deal with a refund. Is that process simple or is it painful for the customer? Um there are so many different ways now. There's a there's beautiful applications. What Loop is a is quite a successful new startup that's dealing with this really really well. Um, yeah. So so refunds like the that's an an issue that is obviously prevalent in every brand uh, in the world. Basically, how are we dealing with that? Is it simple for the customer or is it an absolutely painful experience? Um, again, I know I've touched on it, but response times really really important important but also being thoughtful in the response time we don't want to just be oh we're, we're delivering a response time of one minute but we're actually not solving the customer's issues as far as i'm concerned that's just like a, a common you know bot um we really need to be thinking about it so that the way of the way of dealing with that um just as a, as a side note you can obviously have um automated responses ready to go and then adding in even just one sentence of personalization to that can make a huge huge difference um we found that like in terms of our uh not not to go into a rabbit hole but the the csat scores of how satisfied um you are with your with your customer service rep they, those have gone through the roof once we've actually added personalization sentences um so i think those are those are little things i'd be looking at um high level from it from a customer experience perspective i'd be looking to get the metrics first so I'd be, I'd be very much looking at mps scores i'd be looking at things like time in transit i'd be looking at things like return rate um response time um a lot of if you're if you're with a customer experience platform like a um like a gorgeous for example uh you'll start to get some of those uh response times uh led through to you and then from a 
then so that's the high level and then once you sort of get into the weeds it's things like improving the unboxing experience it's things like improving the shipping time it's things like being being thoughtful about the type of messages that you've given to a customer prior to them purchasing the product what what does that mean in in essence it means and don't overpromise with your expectations uh if at the beginning of a brand we're looking to to drive as much revenue sometimes you do need to to overpromise a little bit, but be mindful that that is going to hurt you in the long run. So again, it's a just slowly flipping it and that, that changes as we become a little bit more brand-led than initially when you're, when you're at 0K um, in revenue, you are got to, you've got to be completely direct response-led. And then as you grow as a brand, you become more brand-led and these are the reasons why. Terrific. So we spoke about a lot of the positive things you can do improving your shipping times or decreasing your shipping times, improving the unboxing experience, creating that wow moment that makes you want to share that experience with your friends. And then on the flip side, if we're looking at red flags, you can effectively inverse everything you've just said. But the other thing that you mentioned is not overpromising. In addition to those things, is there anything else that's a red flag that you look for in terms of your customer experience and things that you can avoid off the bat? Yeah, I think I think the other aspect I would just say is around messaging. Um, so obviously, we've spoken about uh, ads and the the potential of uh, exceeding expectations. Um, looking at obviously like always under promise, over deliver, and that that applies to ads, but it also applies to landing page, to your website, to your Instagram account, to your TikToks. It applies it applies across the board. Um, and so that that's just one aspect that I, I think is really, really key that actually I haven't focused on too much in this conversation, but if there's even just one little thing you take you take out of this is when you do overpromise, you are hurting your word of mouth for future. There is a time and place where you need to promise as much as your product can potentially deliver. Um, but it will hurt you in the long run if you keep doing that. There is a time where you need to flip and you need to start leading more with education than results from a, from an ad perspective, for example. Um, and once you transition that flip, your word of mouth will increase, your, your uh, conversion rate or your return on ad spend may decrease in the short or immediate term, but in the long term, your LTV, your your lifetime value of the customer, which is really what customer experience is all about, will begin to grow. Absolutely. I think a great way, I think you summarized that very well at the end there, and that is the main reason you need to be focusing on customers on customer experience is that so they come back. It's so you can turn those one-off purchases from Black Friday or end of financial year into community members who feel a part of your brand and who enjoyed the experience of receiving your product or service. That's why customer experience is important and that's why you should consider everything that Ben's just spoken about. So Ben, there's a lot of awesome stuff in there and we're going to wrap this one up very soon. But in typical Megaminds fashion, I want to ask you a quick question about learning and development as we usually do. So since we've last spoke a couple of months ago, what has been the most important thing that you have learnt and how have you implemented it? Yeah, well, I think it's actually come in a book and it's it's Deep Work uh, by Cal Newport. It's a book I've, I've read before, but I've, I've come back to. Um, 
I think the the aspect that's really interesting me at the moment, and it's a it's a basic one. It's one that we all know about. Uh, it is emails, and it is every little source of distraction that will enter your life between the hours of the waking hours of six a.m. till you know six p.m. It's probably the the time that most of us do most of our work. Uh, really thinking about ways to limit those distractions. So personally, for for myself, what I've what I've been doing in that time is uh, there are notification free time zones. Um, between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m., I will not have any notifications. I blocked out uh, that time to have no meetings as well. Um, and I think that's that's been quite valuable to me. Uh, blocking in time for email because, of course, email is something that I think a lot of people require as a job. They, they require the back and forth and, and I'm, I'm no different there. But I'll have one distinct email period before lunch um, from 11.30 to 12 and I'll try and get through everything that requires a response from me in that time. Uh, and then I'll look at emails again from 4 to 4.30 uh, and then sort of in that, that last uh, 20 minutes of work or so, I will begin to write down the, the aspects that I need to uh, be focused on for tomorrow, but I don't want to be thinking about them at 7 p.m. on a Monday night. So there's time that needs to be spent at work and there's time that needs to be spent away. And and the reason as well why you need to get out of that headspace is you, your brain will get very, very taxed if you focus on work 24-7. So there needs to be a period of time where you actually decompress because your productivity and your creativity, which as marketers needs to be at an all-time high pretty much year-round, uh, that will certainly decrease if um, you're bringing things to to the home life that are work that are work related. So, uh, those are the high level ideas. Um, Cal, the deep work, Cal Newport. I'm sure a lot of your a lot of the listeners here have, have read that book, but it's a it is a phenomenal book. I think um, I've spoken to Evan about it as well. So, yep, highly recommend. I love it. I think that's a great insight because it's something we can all relate to in one way or another, and that's minimizing our distractions. I'll throw in a couple of tidbits to complement what you've just said, Ben. One is a software called Superhuman. So it's an email service that has been created in in order to speed up your email experience. So they've got a bunch of shortcuts and and the, the idea is that we spend way too much time on email, so they're trying to minimize it. We're not sponsored or anything, just something that we've been using to kind of speed up our days. And the other one, something that I'm a big fan of, is a Google Google Chrome plugin called Strict Workflow. So the way this works is essentially you can add in a list of sites that you don't want to be visiting during a certain time. Let's say it's Gmail, YouTube, Facebook, uh, even Slack if you're using the the web version, and it will physically lock you out of those sites. So you can customize it however you want, but if you're struggling to actually switch off from those distractions, then and you need something to help you, then that's something I'd recommend. I'm taking notes as we as we speak. It's <laughs> fantastic. I'm uh, definitely going to check out that superhuman app, mate. Cool, Ben. So to wrap us up, a couple of rapid fire questions. First of all, relating to the customer experience, what is the number one tip you have for any brand to improve their customer experience in one day? Start getting customer feedback, set up an MPS score. Let's do one about learning. What is the 
best podcast you've listened to in the last month? I was going to ask best book, but you already told me. Moonshots podcast. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's a podcast that talks about books like uh, Cal Newport's books, um, Dan Harris, 10% Happier, uh, How David Goggins Broke the World Pull-Up Record, uh, things of that nature. It's, <laughs> he broke your record, didn't he? <laughs> I wish. Uh, it's, a fan, it's a really fantastic podcast. It's an Australian podcast. Um, you won't, you, it will be time well spent if you listen to that podcast. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us today, Ben. I've learned plenty and I know our listeners have too. So thanks for coming in. Next time you're in, we're going to chat about CRO. CRO sounds good, Evan. Great. Thanks, Ben. And to everyone listening at home, hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to send this to one person who you think will benefit from these tips and make sure to share it on your Instagram stories, on your LinkedIn and through your group chats. So we'll leave it there. Happy days. Thanks for tuning into the Megaminds podcast. If you're looking to scale your own e-commerce business, get in touch for a free strategy session.